Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I share my recent keynote remarks at Administration Day in Colombia titled COVID-19, Virtual Labor, and Economic and Employee Well-Being in the Future of Work. I was invited today uh, to to share some thoughts in relation to uh, COVID-19, the virtual labor, economic and employee well-being, the future of work, and and entrepreneurial activities that uh, will support uh, international economy as we move out of the pandemic. I want to frame this up really quickly and then quickly move into uh, more of the specific application and the types of questions you may have. Um, clearly, the pandemic has shown us the importance of human capital and the importance of having people-centered organizations. Uh, there's never been a clear time where the role of empathy and compassion as a leader, uh, th- that skill set has been more important. Uh, as people have been struggling and as organizations have struggled to shift to a virtual or a hybrid work environment. Uh, Even pre-pandemic, I would say, you know, I'm biased, but I would say that the human capital of an organization is the top um, and most important asset that an organization has at its disposal. And that's not to say that other forms of capital, other forms of assets aren't important. Clearly they are. Uh, plants, property, equipment, financial capital, intellectual capital, all is super important. But without the people in the organization doing the work, creating and innovating and providing value uh, in a strong customer experience uh, for the customer base, the company will cease to uh, be competitive and will cease to uh, add value to the market. And so we can't allow ourselves, even though it's tempting, we can't allow ourselves to skimp on our investment in our people as we're dealing with difficult times. And I would say, especially when we're dealing with um, difficult times. Um, In this diagram, you can see uh, this is a very simplistic view of kind of the flow of impact that we see in just a couple aspects of the the huge body of research in this area. Um, So let's take, for example, interesting jobs, uh, which encompasses job design, engaging work, uh, and, and those sorts of things. Um, so on the top, you, you see interesting jobs. On the bottom, you see knowledge sharing or having a knowledge sharing culture, a growth culture within the organization. Um, and then you can see as you follow the flowchart, um, each of these arrows and each of the, the boxes represent a huge body of research that has been done uh, that 
that shows the these impacts. So when you have well-designed jobs, jobs that are interesting, that are engaging, um, where people find meaning, fulfillment, purpose in their work, where they feel like they have the opportunity to contribute back to society uh, and that their work matters, when that's the case, you have more satisfied workers, which leads to more satisfied customers, that leads to higher sales, higher profits. When workers are more engaged, more satisfied, more motivated, uh, you have lower levels of absenteeism, lower turnover, et cetera, all these negative behaviors go down, that reduces costs, and that leads to higher profits. Now, again, this is overly simplistic, but uh, you get the picture. This is, this is hugely important to think about job design. Uh, also in terms of the culture. So one aspect of culture is having a knowledge sharing environment. If I have a knowledge sharing environment and a growth culture within my organization where people feel psychologically safe to challenge the status quo, to try new things, to iterate, to experiment, and all those sorts of things and share what they're learning with other people, that clearly leads to higher levels of innovation, higher levels of productivity, both of which, of course, lead to higher quality, more satisfied customers, more revenues and sales, higher profits. Uh, and so the business case for having a people-centric orientation in our businesses is super high uh, and very clear. That um, says nothing about the human case. Clearly, we should treat everyone with dignity and respect in our businesses. Clearly, we should... Um, focus on the needs of people because they're human beings and they're people that deserve our attention. So the human case, of course, is there. But even if we set the human case aside, the business case, the human case is clear and we need to uh, create a people-centric organization in order to have high-performance work systems and to be able to navigate within complexity, within nuance, within um, the uncertainty that we see really any time uh, in the globalized economy, but particularly during this pandemic. Uh, so I want to talk for just a few minutes about technological innovations influencing uh, shifting working conditions. Now, over the past 50 to 70 years, we've seen huge shifts in the nature of work across the globe. Uh, 50, 60, 70 years ago, the predominant sector of the economy in most countries um, was either industrial or agricultural. Now, uh, for example, in the United States, back in the 50s and 60s, industrial um, economy, uh, that segment of the economy made up uh, about uh, two-thirds or more of the overall U.S. economy. Today, we're over 80% service sector in our economy, uh, with about 16-17% uh, that is uh, production, um, and then 3% that's agriculture. So this huge shift in the sectoral composition of the workplace has also uh, resulted in huge shifts in the nature of work, the people, the, the conditions, um, the, the characteristics of work, the type of leaders that are needed in the workplace, and how work is manifest as people are carrying out their work. So leading up to the pandemic, that has only continued to accelerate. That shift has has moved more and more as we have more of a knowledge-based economy and a service-based economy, as we become increasingly globally interconnected. And uh, organizations and leaders have had to grapple for decades on how to do that more effectively. Now, enter the pandemic, and what have we seen? There is already a trend upwards in terms of the increase in the gig economy, the increase in the contingent workforce, uh, and an increase 
in uh, computing power and, and, and the ability uh, for technology, the, the disruptive technologies uh, that have started to reshape industries, reshape uh, professions, reshape shape jobs, tasks, and the, the type of work that we do. All of this was, you know, over from 2000 on up, we continue to see the steady uh, progression. And, and most pundits and analysts considered, pre-pandemic considered, that within the next 10 to 15 years, we would see a fundamental realignment of uh, mega organizations around the globe, of the, the nature of professions and job tasks, and uh, that labor markets would be disrupted and reconfigured, uh, all of that. So that was already the prognosis pre-pandemic. Uh, and then COVID happens. Um, during COVID, of course, on a dime, we had to be able to shift to virtual work. Uh, frontline workers, of course, there were some, some jobs where people were in person, but the vast majority of work went online almost immediately. And what this did is it forced people that were hesitant, uh, who, who were resistant to adopting some of these new technological innovations, uh, many of which had already existed, uh, but had been slow to be adopted. Uh, it, it forced people to, to adopt and to learn them and to gain comfort with them. Uh, people that probably never would have otherwise. Um, and many organizations, many leaders who were, who were uh, skeptical about the notion of virtual work and how would they monitor their employees and how would they make sure things got done, you know, those types of questions, um, they were forced to figure it out. Uh, employees that may have not been keen on the idea of virtual work were forced to figure it out. And all of a sudden, we're 18 plus months into the pandemic uh, with many people not only having spent the, a good chunk if not the majority or uh, of the past 18 plus months working virtually, perhaps they still are working virtually, um, but people have grown accustomed to it. People have grown comfortable with it. People have, have learned the new technologies and we're never going back. Uh, and in fact, the technologies have only improved over the past 18 plus months due to the usage and due to the increased revenues for these technology companies and we see even more platforms, more uh, use cases, and the ability to improve the experience. And uh, this has only led to further implementation. Uh, so we know, for example, in the HR field, uh, data analytics, HR analytics, uh, human resource information systems, and various uh, workforce integrations of technology have increased exponentially uh, it was already happening pre-pandemic, and it's it's only accelerated during the pandemic. Um, that's just one kind of an example. There are so many examples, and there are so many different technological innovations that have occurred over the you know past ten plus years, and have just accelerated over the past eighteen plus months. And what that means is we're going to have a really different type of uh, work experience. Uh, for the younger generation than many of us are experiencing or have experienced in the past. So let's talk for a minute about some of the skills that are needed in the future workplace. So this comes from the Institute for the Future, Future Work Skills Report 2020 and 2011. And they outline some of the major drivers of change. And I've already mentioned some of these a little bit, 
Um, we're, we're in an increasingly computational world, super structured organizations uh, in the mega corporation. We have globally connected um, world, new media ecology, rise of smart machines and systems, extreme longevity. Uh, and we could spend a lot of time just dissecting those drivers and trying to better understand uh, what all the reasons are behind those and how they're influencing the nature of work. Uh, but for now, I'll just I'll just put those out there as important drivers, important factors that influence the way things are changing. Um, within the diagram, in the middle, you see some of those skills, competencies, and capabilities that are increasingly necessary as we move into the future of work. And I would say absolutely necessary for organizational leaders uh, and executives, but also for the line employees for every employee in the organization we need them to develop these competencies if we hope to be competitive and adaptive and innovative as we move into a, a really fast-paced shifting nature of work and uh, in a globalized economy that continues to adjust in real time things like cognitive load management virtual collaboration new media literacy cross-cultural competencies designed thinking and mindset, novel adaptive thinking, sense-making, transdisciplinarity. We can add others, um, but, but this is a really good list of, of the types of skills and capabilities that are gonna be needed. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. What does this mean for uh, all of us? Well, my firm, Human Capital Innovations, we put together uh, a research brief. I won't have time to get into all the details with you today, um, but we looked at designing work during COVID-19 and implications for managers in the future of work. I would refer you to this. You can go to innovativehumancapital.com, go to our research section, and we have this and many other materials that are free uh, and accessible. And you can see not only the research behind the, the study uh, and those, those findings, but we also have practical uh, questions and applications for leaders as they're trying to think through what this means for their organization during the pandemic and as we move out of the pandemic. Um, just say a couple more things about the rise of the gig economy uh, and the contingent workforce 
and the, the, the need and the role for entrepreneurial activities as we continue into the future of work. And then I'll just open it up for questions. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there's been a clear trend, uh, a fairly sharp increase in the level of the gig economy and the level of the contingent workforce and contract workers and employees over the past 10, 15, 20 years. And that has just taken a sharp increase over the pandemic. Uh, so we see even more of it nowadays. And this is fueled in two ways. One, in one way, uh, younger millennial workers and, um, and Gen Z workers, they simply like the flexibility of being their own boss. They have a skill set. They can rent out their talent to organizations on their own terms make good money and there's there's really great platforms out there that allow them to put their services out there to the world and and work on their own terms as a gig worker as a contingent or contract worker um, so employees increasingly especially younger employees but but employees of all ages and perhaps even some uh, older employees who are reaching retirement age and want to retire from their traditional career but still want to continue doing some work and ramp down uh, their work as they move into retirement, uh, it's being heavily utilized. Um, and employees increasingly want this kind of flexibility. Um, but also, employers are, are seeking similar types of flexibility. So bringing on even part-time employees is, is more rigid. And if you start talking about uh, salaried benefits, um, receiving full-time employees, the legal complexities of that go up, the expense to the organization goes up. And so organizations increasingly are going to these gig economy platforms to rent talent and find the skills that they need on a project basis rather than employing a person you know, at, as an employee within the organization. Um, and so we continue to see more and more of that uh, in recent years. And I think that is the continued trend uh, this doesn't mean that people are going to stop uh, working for corporations or starting their own businesses um, and entrepreneurial, entre traditional entrepreneurial activity will continue, uh, but there's an increasing number of people that are just going to hang their own shingle. They're going to join these various gig economy uh, platforms and they're going to rent out their skills and and be their own boss and do it on their own terms. And the technologies of today and the continued disruptive technologies only increase the viability of that option for a lot of employees. It uh, increases the opportunity. Uh, and now I can, I can rent top talent from anyone in the world. Um, that I'm not limited to my geographic location. So just like I'm joining you now from Utah for this uh, presentation and you're in Colombia, um, I, I can connect with anyone anywhere in the world, as long as there's a decent internet connection and work with them. And I'm not limited to geographic um, proximity. Uh, that opens up the labor market, that opens up opportunity, but that also opens up competitiveness amongst those vying for those opportunities. Um, so all of this shapes the current condition and ultimately will um, continue something that organizational leaders are going to have to continue to wrestle with. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering, like, how, how do you think it will be more easier to make that change happen? You know, like, adapt people that are not, like, kind of used to that 
skills that you named that you named at that point, uh, how do you think it will be more easier to make that change happen? Because you know, um, me, for millennials, it's kind of more easier uh, because we kind of grow up with all these technologies and all all of that, all of this stuff. So I wanted to know how do you think it will be more easier for for like older people or something like that. Yeah, there's no question <clears throat> that we need to prioritize <clears throat> the resources that we're putting towards the reskilling and upskilling of the workforce. Uh, we know right now the, the labor market is, is very competitive in many parts of the world. In the U.S., for example, it's a very tight labor market. Organizations are really struggling to find good workers uh, for the jobs that are out there, even with increasing wages. And, and so we can't afford to just bring in new people. There's not enough new people to fill all the, the STEM and tech types of jobs um, that are needed for the future of the economy. Uh, so what we need to do is we need to invest in reskilling and upskilling uh, the current workforce uh, and, and help them to establish the skills that they need. And that's not going to be easy. Uh, but if we if we prioritize it and invest in it, it can be done. And we, we can help people that have had a long successful career in one area become prepared for you know new occupations, new jobs, new tasks that maybe we haven't even thought of yet that currently don't exist, but will in say five or 10 years from now. Um, you, you make a good point. Many younger employees are digital natives. They have grown up using these technologies uh, and sometimes we assume that they're automatically going to be better using these technologies than older workers. Uh, but of course, anytime we're, we're generalizing, um, that's, that doesn't always hold true. And there, there are younger workers that still struggle with the technologies. There are older workers that are excellent with the technologies. And so we just need to remember that and, and come up with a holistic strategy to that reskilling and upskilling of, of our workforce uh, identifying the skills gaps that exist within our current employees, understand what skills are needed for the future types of work and jobs that are needed in our company, and then provide the training or partner with other institutions, universities uh, to get the training uh, so that we can be prepared. Thank you. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.